0: Hello and welcome to Science That Sticks the podcast. This is the very first podcast that I'm going to do and I'm the host of this podcast, Paul, from Science That Sticks. And when I say from Science That Sticks, really it's this little creation, this online creation currently to help students uh, really get to grips with some science that they are doing in their school. It's January 2021. Um, I've been teaching science since 2003. January 2003 is when I started earning my living as a science teacher. So uh, I've been teaching science for quite a while to a wide variety of students. But let's find out how I got into teaching science, how I got into science, and what really uh, was inspirational with me getting to where I am now and what sort of uh, things have happened to me within my life. Well the first thing is let's let's go back in time a little bit to uh, 2002 and in 2002 I graduated from De Montfort University with an applied degree in chemistry. Uh, I was only a few percent away from a first but I got a two one, and that'll do. Well it won't just that that will do that was an excellent accomplishment for anybody but especially somebody that doesn't possess an A level never have done. Uh, My level three course that I chose at my college West Nottinghamshire College in Mansfield that's my home. Town uh, now called Vision. Big shout out to Vision, uh, you help you guys help me get into university. But uh, it was at West Nottinghamshire College between 1996 and 1999 that I started really working hard to get to university now why did I suddenly start doing this? Uh, And it really was. I suddenly started working hard at science and really enjoying it because it became clear to me after my GCSEs when I'd finished in 96 that pretty much the only thing that I was genuinely good at was science. Those were. I got a double award from my school, which was the Brunt's Upper School. I think it's now called the Brunt's Academy. And uh, I got a double C in science, even though I'd studied all three sciences at GCSE through years 10 and 11. And, um, and everything else that I got, with the exception of English literature and IT, were D's and E's. And uh, somewhere around my 17th birthday, I remember thinking, well... Am I actually any good at science or am I not? Because most of my other qualifications are D grade or E grade. Am I good at this? Did I just enjoy it more? What was the situation? What made me successful with that, but almost nothing else? And one of the things that became clear to me was my first initial thoughts about science were that you don't need a great deal of talent to be good at it. And I didn't hold myself as a particularly talented individual. I still don't. I regard myself as a bloody good hard worker and, uh, and I truly believe that hard work, dedication and resilience will yield so much more than talent alone. In fact, I've heard quite recently that hard work beats talent when talent isn't working. So uh, with that put to one side and without talent uh, necessary, I did think and still think that science is a wonderful route for many people uh, into whatever career because you can learn it and one of the reasons you can learn science is because it is true in time and place and I'll discuss that more but let's go back to the qualification situation what led me to university because when I left school at 16 I trained to be a mechanic I'd done some work experience in year 11 at my local um, place uh, my local uh, uh, Ladybrook service station uh, as a basically as a, as a garage aid i guess a mechanics helper whatever and they'd set some tasks for me to do uh, that they thought would last me about a week i did them in a day and a half and they were like uh, okay well perhaps you might want to help uh the mechanic out now the mechanic chap called alan revel and i will discuss uh coincidences in another podcast but uh, he really was a really nice guy still is a nice guy if you're listening big shout out to alan uh, who was the uh, mechanic at ladybook service station in the 90s and, and 2000s uh, it's no longer a working service station now it's uh, it's uh, not even a fuel station it's basically a, a small market place anyway um i sort of thought well maybe maybe i should be a mechanic that's you know i've got some experience at that you know yeah that'll be okay so i i looked into doing a mechanics course at college and i really enjoyed it um or at least i thought i would enjoy it i was working monday tuesday off wednesday in thursday and half a day friday so three and a half days full time one and a half days off. Now my college at that point was of the mind that if you were a full-time student and you wanted to do any other part-time course you could enroll on that course free of charge. Now I'm not sure if further education colleges still allow this or not and I hope that they still do uh, but I can't imagine that too many kids these days do more courses because they are able to do so or because it's free but my college also had uh, night courses for adults to participate in and really get some basic skills. So one of the things that I did on my Wednesdays that I had off, I enrolled on GCSE chemistry and I loved it. It just felt like it was uh, filling an intellectual hole. I Got on with it immediately. Everything that my college lecturer was talking to me about, I could relate to. I'd had a little bit of experience, but everything that he said was pretty much golden for me. And I would go home, I would rewrite it, I would really get to grips with it. And I would look to uh, to my, my two books at that point in my library of science. Uh, oh, sorry, my two my two books that made up my library of science books to help me out. Now, this chap's name was David Thrower. Now, again, big shout out to David Thrower if you're listening. Uh, You probably won't do at this point, but if you are, really appreciate that. Thanks very much. You really were instrumental in turning me on to chemistry and the fact that chemistry could give me a career at that point in my life was not even on my radar. So David Thrower, Thank you so much for putting me into uh, chemistry. Now, it turns out that I wasn't just good at it, that I was really enjoying it. And I thought at that point, you know, I I could do something with this. At the same time, not on a Wednesday, but within the same academic year, I uh, enrolled on a mathematics GCSE course, because my maths GCSE was an E grade. So I literally started showing up to uh, evening classes in the January of 1997, I believe. And uh, so I started my qualification again, and I started taking my GCSEs very seriously at that point. Even though I was doing only two of them, I'd learned that one of the reasons I had not done very well in my GCSEs was because I had not taken them seriously. I had not done the relevant preparation. I'd not put in the relevant commitment. And so that's one of the things that I tell my students, even now, 24 years later, 25 years later, as it happens, that to be successful at GCSE, you need commitment. You need drive. And above all, you need to want it. And if you don't want it, you're not going to get it. And quite frankly, you don't deserve to either. Anyway, so I did that. And in 1997, I turned 17. That means I'm 40 currently. And uh, and somewhere around my 17th birthday, I woke up one morning with an idea in my head, which was I wonder if I can get to university. Now, I didn't like my hometown. In fact, actually, I downright hated it. I'm sorry to the people of Mansfield. If, if you live there, it's uh, no longer on my spectrum of hate as it once was. But at that point in my, time, in my life, I really despised my hometown. I didn't like where I, uh, where I was schooled and I wasn't particularly fussed about staying there. So I knew that if I wanted to leave and I wanted to do something that was meaningful as well as just leave and that would keep me out of Mansfield, I needed qualifications. And to get that, I needed to use my brain. So my first thought was, I wonder if I can get to university. Now, most of my friends were already starting their A-levels. Uh, Those of them that were going on to university had started doing their A-level. So I was a year behind them, but it didn't matter. What mattered was the ability to get to that next step, which was, can I get to uni? How hard is it to get into university? Now, I started looking around into it the first place i looked was my old school the brunt's upper school now the brunt's upper school is in mansfield it's now called the brunt's academy and there were two people that were working there in the in 1997 who interviewed me to do a levels the first of which was the head of sixth form mrs uh searson i think her name was i can't recall off the top of my head uh, what her name was um but she interviewed me and i interviewed very well i turned up with my shirt and tie uh, a jacket shiny shoes and meaning business and I always advise to all of my students that you should always shop to every interview suited and booted doesn't matter whether you are stacking shelves at Asda or whether you're going for a banking interview you show up like you mean business now I did that. She said, uh, I'm very happy to have you uh, come do the A-levels. Uh, I've spoken with your teachers from last year. They remember you. They think that you would make a good addition. You work hard. You're very well managed. You're very polite and and so on. And I thought, well, this is going great. Tremendous. She said, but you also have to have a, an interview with the head teacher. And I said, well, it's no problem. He taught me chemistry at uh, at GCSE. So I know Mr Dalton. Now, Mr Dalton happens to be or happened to be the head teacher at the time he was also teaching which is something that many head teachers don't actually do these days in fact actually they don't have the time to do it and it's a it's a management position rather than a teaching stroke management position so if you are a head teacher listening to this i understand and recognize that you can't teach because your job doesn't allow you the time to do so Uh, and i'm pretty certain that most head teachers actually miss teaching in some instances anyway that aside that aside uh he interviewed me and he said and i quote I don't think that you're capable of doing an A-level in chemistry, Paul, and I don't think that you'll be able to get to university to do it. I think what you should do is a GMVQ intermediate, perhaps go on to an an advanced course and then get yourself a job as a lab technician somewhere in a laboratory. I I think that would suit you and you'd be pretty okay with that and uh, i said thanks very much he said but we'll let you roll enrol on the course in august uh and and if you get a headache we'll see what happens and uh, and so on. but i do feel that you would be a distraction to many students who are going to be in the same year group and i thought okay thanks very much so i shook his hand and i left and the following day uh now this was a this was a Uh, a Wednesday was my interview at Brunt's was on a Tuesday and I think my interview at college was on the Wednesday literally one day after the other and I was interviewed by a chap called Paul Jackson who was the GMVQ coordinator really nice guy and uh, he he and I had a chat again suited and booted and uh, he said uh, he said I see that you've made an effort I said well I'm wanting to get on this course and i need every every bit of help that i can get and if making myself look more presentable so that you know i will make that effort then i will do so which he said oh i like that that's nice anyway we got chatting he said why why do you want to do the GMVQ advanced course and i said well i've been doing chemistry gcse for a long time and i'm i've decided i've discovered that not only do i enjoy it i'm good at it too and i really want to make science a part of my life i remember saying that too and I said, I want to see if I can get to university. Can this GMVQ get me to university? And he said, oh, yeah. He says, it'll get you to university, might get you to, to some of what they called the new universities at that point. These days, we don't call them new universities. The idea that there's a new university and an old university uh, simply doesn't exist because DMU, Nottingham Trent, Sheffield Halliman and universities like that are no longer called new universities. And after 30 years of, of existence, nor should they. So uh, he said, yeah, you'll be able to get into one of those. You might not be able to get into a red brick university. And I thought red brick. Wow, what's that? Uh, those are your traditional universities: the University of Leicester, the University of Nottingham and so on. So a big difference between the universities. So I, I said, OK, so it will get me there. And I said, yeah. And he said, Do you think you can cope with this course? And I said, well, I've I've done my GCSE chemistry and I'm doing very well at that I already have two GCSEs in double science and they're at a C grade I have a GCSE C in English Lit and I've got a GCSE C in IT and he said well you've got more than enough GCSE C grades to gain entry to the to the course plus I've spoken to David Thrower and he says that you are really good at chemistry and fully supports anything that we do or any application you make and so that's that's kind of nice i didn't realize you'd spoken to him i'd not put him down as a reference he said well we we share the same staff room so it made sense for me to ask and i was like oh okay and then he said i've also spoken with your maths lecturer uh mr quinton or quincy I i can't remember his name was robert anyhow and uh and Robert, would, uh, Robert had spoken to him and said, "Yeah, I know I know Paul very well. He's been coming to my maths lessons on a Tuesday evening from January onwards. This was now uh, late April, early May. And he said uh, he said he's working tremendously hard. Everything we do, he goes home, he interacts with. He's even catching up with stuff that he missed in the September to December mark. He should come out with a C grade in mathematics, which is no mean feat, starting the course." in January now time goes on and and the interview goes on and and Paul Jackson says to me I've got no problems giving you an unconditional place on the GMBQ advanced course I think it will suit you and providing you pass with either a merit or a distinction you should be able to get into uh, to university Um, how do you fancy that and I said I'd be delighted to accept shook his hand walked off and as I was walking home, I reflected on my interview at Brunt's and I reflected on my interview at college. And I decided therein that if there's anybody that's going to really support you and feels that you can do something, then that's the person that you need helping you, not somebody that didn't initially think that you could do it. So time goes on 1997 came and went i passed my gcse with yet another c grade i do have an explanation for why it wasn't higher and that was because i was sitting the intermediate paper and that particular paper there was only one exam for it and the examining body only sent higher papers and foundation papers we had to have a copy that was badly photocopied sent to us so that we could do this i sent a um a letter of complaint Because our exam, which should have been two hours, ended up being four hours because they couldn't start it and we couldn't leave the examination hall. So uh, I wrote them a letter. I didn't get a, a, a response which was unfortunate but I did lots of work for it and it was a C grade and it's enough for me to do the job properly it's enough for me to get on and I'd increased my grade in mathematics there were no problems with that except for the fact that I just needed more practice with my mathematics I went from an E to a D in that. Over the next two years at college whilst I studied my GMVQ advanced I uh, reset my maths yet again got went from a C uh, from a D to a C and uh, my lecturer uh it wasn't robert i can't recall who it was had said we need to we you're only a few marks away from a b paul we can if we if we get it remarked you can uh, you can go up to a b and i thought yeah but what if it goes down to a d again I said, no, no 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 c's fine that's all i need i also reset my english language i also reset well i didn't reset but i did human physiology and healthcare management both of which i got over a C. In fact, my English language I got a B in. It's the highest qualification I have at GCSE. My GMVQ was a merit. And in August of 1999, I was uh, I got my interview. Well, not my interview, but my unconditional place at De Montfort University, Leicester, to do um, to do applied chemistry. Actually, it was the chemistry options course at De Montfort University, Leicester. I received that in the morning. I got this, told my family, told my grandparents, I've got being offered. And everyone's was like, yeah, what are you going to do? And I said, like, I'm going down to Leicester right now to hand it to them personally. And I was told, well, well, what about what about posting it? No, I'm not posting it. I got on the train. I came down to Leicester and I remember walking into the gateway place and saying, I'd like to speak with the course coordinator so that I can give him this directly. And they said he's in the Hawthorne building. And it's at that point I met for the second time in my life, uh, a chap called uh, Dr. Grove, Clive Grove. Now, if you're listening to this, Dr. Grove, I owe you a, a big debt of gratitude for uh, giving me the the opportunity to go to to university. Not only that, but also sending me the unconditional offer because I'd met the criteria. Now, over the next three years, Dr. Grove taught me off and on organic chemistry, and I was a stu- good student, not just of his, but of many other of Uh, lecturers at De Montfort University and I finished in 2002 as I said before with a 2-1 and only a few percentile away from a first which even now some 19 years later still bothers the hell out of me but it doesn't matter what matters is the fact that someone said i don't think you can do it and within five years of them saying that to me not only had i done it i'd got a certificate that said that i'd done it and the ability to put after my name bsc honors very very wonderful stuff so that's a pretty much a story of of how i got qualified how i got into science in terms of a real professional Um, sort of oh gosh I don't know uh, a a real professional sort of scientist now prior to my GCSEs I'd always known that I was pretty good at science and I enjoyed it and there's a couple of reasons for this the first of which is somewhere in my eighth or ninth birthday I was given a book which I have here and it's called the Hamlin Junior Science Encyclopedia. It was published first published in nineteen seventy one, and this particular issue was published uh, in nineteen eighty one. I didn't receive it when I was nineteen uh, in nineteen eighty one because I'd have only been one. I think we uh, I was given this or or I got it somewhere around my eighth or ninth birthday, possibly when I was in the Scouts when we were doing a brick and a bra- uh, brac jumble sale and i took it home or i I asked if i could buy it for a quid or whatever it was and um, i know we've i've got a picture of me somewhere uh, with this book in the background and i'm probably only about eight or nine now this encyclopedia like all encyclopedias has lots of cool pictures in it lots of uh artwork but the interesting thing about it and i've been looking through this today is that there's a whole host of stuff that is here that is just magnificent the pictures are mostly hand-drawn by artists uh, various contributors um there's a quite a variety of artists and as they call agents uh in fact actually the tudor art agency is one of those people whitcroft or whitecroft designs is another oxford illustrators eric Jewell associates so there's a lot of people involved in the production of this this particular book but what really strikes me is as, as a professional science teacher now the content of this book is really good and you don't tend to see this very much in uh, in textbooks for the curricula this really is put together by three or four professional scientists who have decided that they think that kids really need to know this stuff and explain in a very very uh, unique way there's lots of good drawings there's quite a few practicals that you can do and it's really amazing in fact actually one of the practicals that i like uh is uh what is it it's boiling water in a paper dish now i think that's an amazing thing to show and uh, at some point in my real youtube channel uh, i will probably do that boil water in a paper dish and explain it shows you how to draw sunspots with a telescope also shows how you can demonstrate surface tension on water using soap matchsticks and paper uh, it also shows you inertia with fluids and one of the most interesting things is it describes you uh, uh, moments and levers using just a ruler a pencil and some coins again wonderful little bit of uh, of info there that you can use to help demonstrate turning moments which I'm going to do again on my on my YouTube channel so this encyclopedia for all of my childhood years was a favorite book of mine not just cuz the pictures are pretty cool but also Because the explanations are very, very good. The vocabulary that is used in it is accessible. It's not over the top with hugely difficult uh, scientific vocabulary, which makes it ideal for young people. And of course, I've been reading this for well over 30 years now. The spine could do with sellotaping back together or gluing. But at this particular point, I'm not that. Not that fussed. It is wonderful. And its original owner is uh, S. Bostock. (laughs) Now, another book that I've used over the years is the Hutchinson Dictionary of Science. The World of Science from Big Bang to Biodiversity. Now, this has helped me on so many occasions over my academic life, over my professional life as a science teacher, It's just been brilliant. In fact, it even helped me whilst I was training to be a mechanic in 1997. I'm currently looking at a picture here that describes disc brakes and drum brakes. And when I was training to be a mechanic, I'd actually stripped down both of those and and reassembled them. So I know how these things work in a very physical way. And at the side of it is a picture of the brain uh, and explains or just in general terms identifies the cerebral cortex where movement is located sensation hearing language vision the cerebellum uh, the thalamus the pituitary the hypothalamus the medulla oblongata and lots of other things now this dictionary is superb and anybody that is looking at trying to make science their uh, their go-to career, I would recommend that you get a dictionary of science that's like this. It is really fantastic. Uh, There's one here, deamination, the removal of an amine group from an unwanted amino acid. Again, although for GCSE, not required, for A-level, it certainly is. For A-level biology, it certainly is. It also talks about different types of dams. You've got an embankment dam, a concrete gravity dam, an arch dam, a buttress dam, everything and anything that you could need to know in the technological and scientific world is defined within this book and it really is fantastic it's just amazing and i am still even now using this to explain certain things especially if I'm teaching something that I'm not 100% sure on now remember I'm a chemist through and through so if I'm teaching some physics or I'm teaching some biology I'm not going to be using uh, the regular science textbooks in fact if anything I notice a lot of GCSE textbooks are missing crucial pieces of information and I think that's that's a bit of a disservice to many students but of course students in the 21st century are not like students in the 20th and school today is a very very different place to how it was just 10 years ago and it's certainly a very different place from when i was at school back in the mid 90s so that's a little bit about my my history as as a science teacher as a scientist what got me into science and the other thing that amazes me and it doesn't amaze me, really, uh, I guess, but it's nice to know that it's it's still here. And uh, I opened this book again today, and um, it's got an inscription on it. My Dictionary of Science, this is, and it says to Paul from Nana and Grandad, Christmas 1995. And just looking back on on that statement is uh, that's handwriting from my grandfather who died two years after this. He died in 1997 and um, and he was obviously given to me as a gift because he knew that I like science and maybe my grandfather knew something that I didn't at that point I don't know Um, I'd like to think that he did I'd like to think that uh, that he was considering in his mind you know I think Paul would get a lot out of this and it would be a very useful book for him it could also just have been this is a nice book Paul likes to read I don't know it's difficult to say one way or the other. What I do know, though, is that this book has been invaluable to me from Christmas 1995 to January 2021. So 36 years almost. It's been wonderful, and not 36. Goodness me, 26 years. See, math's still not my strongest point, but I can add. Now, one of the other things that makes me uh, do what I do is this sheer ability to demonstrate to people that science is not hard understanding some basic principles is no harder than understanding certain rules in sports and the other really good thing about science is that because it is true in time and place you can learn what is happening in science much the same with if you make toast you can make toast the same every single day how you like it Not only can you make toast the same every single day, but if you move house from one end of the country to the other, you can still make your toast in the way that you like your toast. That is reproducible. Now, it is a science. People might not think it is, but it is because it's reproducible. You want a particular type of toast. You want it maybe uh, almost burned. Some people might like it just lightly um, beiged, as they call it. My partner likes hers cold. God knows why, but she does. And um, it's, uh, incidentally, it's quite funny seeing her in the morning because she'll put some toast on and um, and then flap like a bird with it in each hand. <laughs> she'll kill me for saying that, I'm sure. But uh, and if, if you find that funny, do please like it. So that's a little bit about science. Uh, that's a little bit about why I like science. And uh, it doesn't take very much effort to get good at science, in my opinion. But again, everything that I do... For science, or I say, for science, or for my knowledge of science, has been to help others and to really assist people with their careers, with their, with their lives, and not only that, but as a science teacher in a secondary school, study for the last three years. I've found that my my main role is is in twofold, the first of which is to make sure that students have have an idea that they live in a scientific world and that understanding science is going to be crucial within their lives, whether it be from teaching about cystic fibrosis all the way through to microbes and diseases, which, of course, in 2020 and 2021 is crucial. And I suspect I'm not going to hear too much of this comment. I'm never going to need science because there's a lot of people now that are thinking, yeah, I kind of need it. So there's interesting stuff going on all the time in science. It doesn't have to be difficult and it doesn't have to be so comprehensive that you need to be an expert within a field. So that's why I do what I do. What's going to happen on this podcast Well, sometimes I might talk about science. Sometimes I might talk about something to do with science. I might even talk about some of my heroes. Um, I might, and I'm going to try and get some guests on so we can have a chat about what they have done in terms of science. Or sometimes I might just have guests on just to talk about stuff. So it might be about... Gosh, I don't know. It might be about my about Chevrolet. It might be about Capri's might be about uh, the band Queen. It might be about astronomy or astrology. What the difference is between the two. Who knows? But uh, one way or the other, hopefully things will be informative. Things will be entertaining. And with any amount of luck. Yeah, you should uh, you should come away feeling enlightened a little bit. I hope entertained for sure. Feeling better about the world. Let's hope so. And so this is Paul signing off with the first ever Science That Sticks podcast. And as I say on my YouTube channel all the time, until next time, goodbye and stay cool. Cheerio.